Welcome to the Sowing Hope Podcast. This is a show all about implanting hope in our hearts. I'm Bill Snyder, joined by my friend Ann DeSantis. We're glad you're here for our uplifting conversation about faith and how it sustains our hearts through all the seasons of life. Thanks for walking with us. And good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Sowing Hope Podcast. I am Bill Snyder. It's great to be with you and be here on this uh, Tuesday evening uh, with you. I'm uh, always blessed to be joined by my co-host and good friend, Ann DeSantis. Uh, here we are once again. Anne, how are you doing today? Doing great, Bill. It's great to be here. I'm excited for the show. Yeah, I always am, too. I always am, too. It's uh, it's definitely a joy in my life. Uh, with all the crazy things going on, it's always a joy to be able to talk to our listeners and to you. So uh, I'm excited uh, about tonight's show, and I know we have a great guest, so uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about her? Yeah, absolutely. We have with us uh, Lizanne Hagdorn. She is the executive director for the Archdiocesan Nutritional Development Services in the Philadelphia area, in the Archdiocese of Philadelphia. And I'm really excited to have her here. So welcome, Liz. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm really honored to be here with you. Yes, likewise, likewise. And you're doing amazing work. And you were introduced to me through the Catholic Charities Appeal, as I am a board member, and was hearing so much about the great work that you are doing through the Nutritional uh, uh, Development Services that you are uh, the executive director for in our archdiocese. So uh, why don't we start out with, if we could, your own faith journey, anything anything that you want to share. I know that you're originally from the Philadelphia area, and you're a native Philadelphian from the Immaculate Heart of Mary Parish, and you grew up in Roxborough and that you're the sixth of seven children. Let's start there. <laughs> yeah, that always, that always in itself says a lot about someone, I think. Um, yes, I, I grew up uh, in the Roxburgh area, um, was educated uh, in Catholic elementary school and Catholic high school, and, and I went to a Catholic college. Uh, wonderful parents, very faith-filled and service-oriented parents. And um, I just wanted to take all the wonderful things that, that I had in my life and wanted to share that with those who do not have, have the same. So that's really where, where my drive comes from um, to be in this kind of work. I've been with Nutritional Development Services since I was an intern at St. Joe's University. Mm-hmm. And um, I got a full-time job here and never left. And it is, it is the work that keeps me here that uh, inspires me every day. I, I'm really glad, and, and it's a blessing to, to do something that you really love. And uh, I guess that's why I'm doing it for so long. Yeah, I thank you so much for the great work that you're doing. And I, I, I will admit I'm looking at an article about you and your role there from catholicphilly.com is from a few years back, but it says that your sense of social justice was nurtured at the former Ravenhill Academy, which was conducted by the religious of the Assumption. And she rep- and you represented her uh, school at the 1975 
beatification of the now St. Marie Eugene Melloray. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, uh, the congregation's foundress. So tell us more about that as well. Oh, yeah, that was really exciting. Um, when I was, I believe it was a sophomore in high school, Mother Marie Eugenie de Milleray was to be beatified. And I was chosen by the students, among the students, uh, to represent our school um, at the beatification ceremony in Rome. The religious of the Assumption are an international order um, well known in Europe and in uh, the Philippines and other parts of South Asia. And their American province was not that big. However, um, the experience was incredible as there were many days of um, meeting other students, other Assumption students from around the world. And it's these sisters who uh, came from all over the world that taught at Raven Hill, um, instilled in us the broader look at, at the global view of things that uh, growing up in the United States in the 60s and 70s, you think that you're the cat's meow. You know, the, the US was everything, it was a world power, but um, these sisters influenced me to look beyond myself and our country to see the suffering and the needs across the world. And so that had a profound uh, effect on me uh, in what I wanted to do with my life. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's so interesting. And um, what what was that like? What was the papal experience? I obviously have never been to a canonization or a beatification. Um, what was that? What was that experience like? You know, actually seeing the Pope, you know, declare this person a, a saint. I mean, you know, that's that's got to be just powerful just to watch that. Oh, it it is a moment that I will never forget. Um, in St. Peter's, they hang a picture of the uh, person to be to be beatified from part of the wall. And you can only imagine how huge it must be for everyone to see it. And when that was unfurled, and when the mass began, and there were participants from all over the world inside, it, it just, it took my breath away. It really was one of those moments that you just felt so much unity and solidarity and, and thought that you could do anything, mm. you know, anything good in the world, you have the power to do it. You could really feel the spirit. Mm. And I was able, um, I believe it was back in 2005 when um, Marie Eugenie was declared a saint. And I was able to attend that with my daughter, with my oldest daughter, and that was held outside in, in the square, uh, pouring rain. And despite all of that, the Holy Father sitting out there, he was covered, um, not in the elements. But again, it, it just is something that you really think you could only experience one, once in a lifetime. And I, I had the, the honor to experience that kind of um, spiritual renewal twice so it, it really just amazing mm. you can only imagine as as a 16 year old girl what that was like to travel to europe for the oh, first time wow uh, 
without her parents and in the in the care of some of the sisters and we and we stayed stayed at some of the convents throughout so it was really uh it, it sounds like something from the movies like the trouble with angels or something like that <laughs> but yeah, yeah. It, it, it was magnificent well great job i have to say and i know that you're you're a very humble person and you're doing god's work but i do want to say great job to you for the work that you've done and for your, um, you know, wonderful faith journey that you're sharing with us. And I also want to invite people that if they can go on to catholicphilly.com and simply look up your name, Lizanne, Lizanne Hegdorn, that they can see and read this article that explains a little bit more about what we're talking about here on this podcast. Now, it says that um, in that article that after Ravenhill that you entered what was then called St. Joseph's College, right? It wasn't the university yet and its food marketing program. Tell us about that experience. Sure. Well, Saint, the Academy of Food Marketing, which is that part of St. Joe's that um, has this curriculum, food marketing, I was attracted to it. Uh, the Jesuits and um, were very progressive in, in the area of social justice, and they have this very haunting mural uh, in the library there of world hunger. And it was something that just always struck me. Um, and so that influenced me to study food marketing, going into it thinking that I would be working on the topics of hunger and sustainability and um, how to get food to where people need it. And food marketing could be that, but, but it was a business course uh, a study, and it was more geared toward people who would be selling and merchandi merchandising food for the large companies like Procter and Gamble or Kraft or, you know, other other big food suppliers. So I I took the course of study. It was it was very interesting, but I knew that that isn't what I wanted to do because I still felt that uh, I was being called to do more than just go into supermarkets and try and sell the general managers on what products they should have on their shelves. So when I was a senior at St. Joe's, uh, there was a job posting for an internship here at Nutritional Development Services, and I applied for it and, and got the position, not that there was much competition at that time. Um, but uh, it was something more, more like what I wanted to do with my life, and that was to see if we could make a difference uh, when it comes to food. And so armed with a little bit of education and naivety and all those good things, um, I came to NDS. And at that time, NDS, I came in 1979, and NDS started, was incorporated in 1973. So it really wasn't that old uh, a program at that time. So I was here a little bit after and it was starting to get rolling uh, with taking on more programs and more projects. So I ensconced myself here at NDS. I've worn many hats while I have been here at this tenure. And um, back in 2017, I was made the executive director, but uh, have loved wow. every minute of it. Amazing. Well, you had quite a journey. And, and I'm reading here about you that uh, it says in the same article that 
uh, I'm referring to on Catholic Philly, that your role has been uh, behind the scenes in such necessary matters as administration, accounting, and regulatory compliance. Wondered if you could talk a little bit about those areas. Sure. Well, when I came on to NDS, I was assisting with uh, the business end of things with the accounting, uh, though I did not have an accounting degree <laughs> at that time. Um, and I eventually took over the, the finances. And all, during this time, NDS was, was growing. Uh, every year, it was increasing its, its reach um, in the communities and in the number of people that it served. And primarily, NDS was founded to assist people to have access to food, especially children. And one of the biggest programs that NDS runs today and has run for a long time are what are called the child nutrition programs. These are federally funded programs that come out of the United States Department of Agriculture, are administered through the state of Pennsylvania and uh, sponsors like NDS are entrusted to make sure that children in different locations, schools, childcare centers, after school programs, residential childcare centers, and even shelters are uh, have access to meals that meet certain requirements. So we are a conduit for federal funds to make sure that those in need, especially children, can get the food that they need to grow and to develop. So I have run programs. I have all along, I pretty much have been in the back room doing the accounting. And with federal programs, there's an awful lot of compliance and regulation that must be met uh, as part of, of taking receipt of the federal, federal dollars. So uh, that sometimes becomes larger than life. Um, hmm. You know, you're just trying to feed children and you have to be concerned about other things that don't seem necessarily seem uh, as important, but all in all, that is uh, the service that we provide to many schools, to daycare centers, after school programs, and the like. Yeah, I love to hear the work that you're doing because, you know, there's nothing really more important than getting those basic needs met, right? I mean, yeah. Exactly. Just as it says in the book of Matthew 25, which I'm, I always refer to that, is that, you know, that the idea of that feeding the hungry, giving drink to the thirsty, clothing the naked. I mean, that's exactly what you're doing, especially when it comes in, ter in terms of the feeding, right? Yeah. Uh, and you have such great experience now. It, um, in looking at this article again, I know that you went to St. Joe's uh, College, now university, right? But then right. after that, uh, you attended, um, you, you have your MBA from Drexel and you're a senior, and I don't know if you still are, because this article's a little, a couple years old, but uh, a senior fellow at the University of Pennsylvania's program for research on religion and urban civil society. Can you tell us a little bit about those experiences? Yes, um, for a period of time, well, first of all, um, I pursued my MBA, um, just knowing that it would be helpful in, in the work that I saw ahead. And, um, and then when Nutritional Development Services was 
uh, house out at 38th and Chestnut uh, for about 20 years. Uh, we work closely with a number of um, the people at the University of Pennsylvania and also the Penn Newman Center, which was right next door. And um, they became very involved in all of the work that not only NDS, but the Catholic Church does on behalf of the community. And uh, so for a period of time there, I was a fellow as part of the, uh, the Fox Leadership Program there at the University of Pennsylvania. Um, there is there are some wonderful professors there who really recognize the value and the, the and you could say value and also dollars that the uh, Catholic agencies like Nutritional Development Services actually put into the communities to help help folks. And so trying trying to quantify that was was part of a project. So it, it has been um, a wonderful experience. And um, in exchange for that, we NDS has gotten uh, every summer a couple of interns from the University of Pennsylvania who help us with our summer program. And um, like always, young people bring a lot of vigor and a lot of great ideas. So uh, we're very grateful for that, that relationship that still exists today. Yeah, you know, that's... That's awesome, and it's a great way to get you know young people involved in uh, the church. I always think about uh, service opportunities, especially in my youth and young adulthood, that really formed me as a Catholic and as a and as a person. And so, um, you know, getting college students to you know help you with the summer programming, uh, you know, and really help you. Uh, it also not only builds you know the, your organization. Um, but it also helps um, those those college students have a have a sense of service, have, have a sense of helping others that um, also, you know, much like yourself, you know, sticks with you for for the remainder of your life. Um, so that's that's beautiful. Maybe you want to touch a little bit about the summer program, knowing that it is summer now. Maybe you want to just tell us a little bit about that that summer program and what it does. Sure, I'd love to. Um, when I started with NDS, the summer program was one of my favorites. Uh, we've been running it, I think, since 19, probably the maybe the late 70s, we started the summer program. So the whole idea, and again, this is a federally funded program, but the whole idea is that when children are out of school, they miss out on the meals and the nutrition that they would be receiving if they were in school. So uh, the summer program was enacted by Congress to, to make up that difference uh, for many children across the nation who really didn't have access to good food when, some, when school was out. So um, at one point, um, NDS, well, even today, the COVID has really, uh, has really managed to upend a lot of things. I think we're getting starting to go back to normal. But prior to COVID, NDS sponsored uh, close to 400 different feeding sites out in within the five county, Philadelphia five county area. Uh, we would deliver meals out to our partners there. Our partners could be boys and girls clubs, YMCA's, churches, 
um, community groups, someone who is interested in just feeding children on their block, uh, Bible camps, any type of organized group, they, we would work with them to make sure that they could get breakfast and lunch or, or lunch and a snack for the children that come to them for programming. Um, since COVID, things have been different. However, we are still uh, supplying partners in the community with meals where children or parents could come and grab and go. They could get uh, seven breakfast and seven lunch to go and take it home and have it for the week. And we're starting to see the summer camps start back now with uh, the vaccine rolling out and people feeling more confident about having their children out with other children and, and adults. So um, that's what we do in the summer. And of course, it, it's a lighter program in the sense that the regulations aren't as intense as they are uh, in the schools and childcare centers. Mm. Um, the children get a terrific variety of food that meet the requirements uh, for, for their vitamins, for their minerals, limiting sodium, trans fats, and calories. So um, it's just a wonderful service that we can bring to anyone so anyone can come to any one of the any children can come to any one of these sites and, and receive a breakfast and lunch or something to eat. And uh, that's the beauty of of these programs. And and I have to remind everyone that these programs are funded with our tax dollars. Uh, and knowing um, the regulations that surround them, we really try to do the best job that we can utilizing. Uh, the funds that we receive and making sure that the meals, the food that's that's put out there for the children is something that they will eat and be nourished by. Yeah, you know, that's, you know, that's so important, too. And, you know, uh, talking about nu nutrition, especially, and I think that's what was the focus of a lot of news stories on the evening news. I know it was here in Milwaukee for, for me uh, quite often in Milwaukee, they would say, you know, especially over the course of the pandemic, you know, make sure you're eating healthy, make sure you're not gaining weight, make sure you're not doing, you know, doing these things. Um, and so it's so important uh, that there are organizations out there like yours. And again, having those um, federal dollars supporting that effort to put healthy meals in, in kids' hands um, is, is so, so important. And I think um, the, you know, the work you're doing is such, such important work, but um, it's also, I think, the the, the educational piece um, and, and and enabling uh, you know kids to to eat healthy um, and and show them that the food probably still tastes pretty good is is important, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's funny. I mean, the children's preferences are funny. There was a period of time where no matter what the food was, they just wanted to put ranch dressing on it. You know, you, there, there are some things you have to, to temper um, with, with trying to get them to eat or at least to taste. I think they're saying that it takes, I think it's about nine times for a child to taste something before they really can make a decision on whether they really like it or not, despite what they do when they first eat something they don't like, which is spit it out. But yeah. 
But, you know, you have to keep introducing foods to children as well as, well as in, in fun ways um, educate them as to what foods do for them and why they are good for them and, and how it will help them perform. I mean, I, I see good nutrition and access to good food as an investment in the future. Yeah. Uh, our children, so many of our children in in Philadelphia, for example, um, probably more than almost 25% of them are children in Philadelphia are food insecure, mm. which means that they cannot count on a consistent um, amount of food to have to eat each day. That some days they may have it, some days they may not have it. And that wreaks havoc with the development of children it wreaks havoc with their emotional state. It also wreaks havoc with their um, with their emotions. And uh, so it's so important that our children can start the day off with something in their stomach that satisfies them so they can concentrate on what it is that they're doing, being in school, uh, during the summer, they're out playing or learning some new skills or things of that nature. So um, I just feel that it's, it's so important for us to make sure that these children can start off with the right building blocks. Because as they get older and they, they make their own choices, we're hoping that, that a good amount of the choices are, are good choices for them and, and not, um, you know, empty calories and and very uh, high f sugar foods and, and things of that nature that may fill them up for the time being, but really do not contribute to their overall wellness. Mm. So, and that takes me to another point is that, and especially during the pandemic, their um, experts are saying that they're starting to see the creep up in obesity in children. Uh, that was a big item a couple years ago and the uh, school lunch program and the other feeding programs were adjusted to try and try and do something about the high rates of obesity in our young people. And um, because of the pandemic and, and probably lack of activity and the centenary way that the children were learning at home, uh, they're seeing that that rate is going up. So there's always work to do in trying to um, be harbingers of, of good food, good nutrition, and wellness among our young people. Well, I must say, you're doing amazing work, and you're putting your, your heart into it to really care about these people and these children. And, yeah. and, you know, that's the important thing, is that when we really humanize the work that we all do, whatever we do, and you certainly are, because you're looking at the fact that the food that, that these children are eating and their nutrition has a great impact on not only their lives but on on whole, the whole right because exactly when you're not being taken care of in that way um you know obviously the first thing that suffers is your health and then the next thing obviously also is your uh your emotional health too i mean your mental psychological spiritual mm -hmm. i mean everything suffers when that's not being taken care of 
So I, I just think that you're doing wonderful work. Um, and I'm reading from that article again, that it says that your, our goal is to carry out our mission effectively and efficiently. We must use the resources we're given to answer people's needs. Using what we have for the greater good is what it's all about. And I love that because it's effectively and efficiently because also, and I must say, as a board member for Catholic Charities Appeal, which I am, uh, that's what the people who are giving towards these, uh, to, toward your organization and help being helped that way is to, to know that that money is being used to really help people. Uh, I wondered if you could speak on that too, because I know that some people may be listening who are also donors and people who from the Catholic Charities Appeal and maybe people from our archdiocese to tell us like how that money, do you see how it's being effectively and efficiently used? I would love to, Anne. Thank you for opening up that topic. In addition to the federal child nutrition programs, NDF also operates what we call the Community Food Program. This program uh, is funded by Catholic Charities. And in fact, there is a special appeal that is done for the Community Food Program that has been wildly successful and so, so helpful uh, to this program. So not using federal funds, using Catholic charities, using some rice bowl money, and also donations from people, we are able to purchase and to collect food that we supply to, 50, to a minimum of 50 food cupboards throughout the five counties. So in addition to facilitating food drives, uh, for example, at schools and organizations where people will bring in food and then our driver will go pick it up and then take it to a cupboard. We also are able to purchase food um, for those people that are in, in the communities that are serving others that come to them. Uh, we have, have many Catholic churches and organizations that have food cupboards and they can be anywhere from just a closet with food in it to a big room that has has um, shelves and shelves of different kinds of food there. But um, all of that is through, most of that is through the generosity of the people of the archdiocese. Um, and, and we do some grant writing to supplement that. And we try and do the, we try and also help others uh, with technical assistance if they want to start a food cupboard, or if they want to start a community garden, or if they need refrigeration uh, so they can serve something for the people in the community in, in which they operate. So uh, it's a wonderful program that actually began out of the Cardinals Commission of Human Relations many, many decades ago. And um, that had its start really after the Eucharistic Congress in 1976, the theme being the hungers, the hungers of people. I mean, we have a spiritual hunger and uh, we tended to concentrate on the hunger of the human body and knowing that that hunger has to be satisfied before we can help people in other ways. As you said earlier, Anne, that that helping a child or helping a family with food has such a ripple effect, not only on their their health, on on how they feel that day, 
but really how how they can contend with the rest of their days. Uh, I can only imagine, and I think of this often, and I, I encourage people. Um, it, it's very hard for people to ask for food and to ask for help. And I really saw such great humility during this pandemic. NDS and um, a fair amount of its staff were able to do food distributions at different locations throughout the archdiocese. We would give out um, the meal kits for children, as well as the boxes that the United States Department of Agriculture put together for people during that were affected by the pandemic. And on, on many occasions, we had people lined up in their cars at the gate on foot waiting to get food. And, and I mean, it was almost like, who, who am I? Because it could, could be any one of us who could have been standing at the gate or sitting in the car waiting for the distribution to begin. So it, it was humbling for me. And, and I am just so happy that people felt not embarrassed, but honored. We were honored that they came for our help, that they were the ones in need, but in a sense, they, they gave so much to us. I know that sounds a little, <laughs> a little strange, but, but um, when, you, when you know people who are coming through the line to get food, I mean, that's just tough to swallow. We know how hard this pandemic has been on families and individuals and elderly especially the elderly, especially the people that can't get out to get food. So we have seen some wonderful, wonderful acts of kindness of community groups coming and getting 70, 70 boxes of food for the people, the old people that live in their neighborhood. Um, people coming and, and getting food for families in the neighborhood. It's just, it was just really an unbelievable experience. And in all my years, um, I, I have, have not seen anything like that in my life, nor experienced anything like that. And it, it was an honor to serve in that way and to represent our church, because that's, that's what we're supposed to do. If we, if we have it, and even if we don't have it, we have to find the resources to get it to the people in need. And, yeah. uh, we were as much as the pandemic was so, so difficult for people. It, it gave all of us uh, Catholics an opportunity to, to help one another. I have to say that the donations um, that we received during that time were, were unbelievable. I think, it, I think the fact that people really were without food really touched the heart of so many people in, mm. in the Philadelphia area. It was amazing. Yeah, you know, I I think of the scripture, you know, just listening to you talk, I'm thinking of the scripture of of James, right? Uh the the letter of St. James, uh chapter 2 and verse 16 or verses 15 and 16, where it says a brother if a brother or sister is poorly clothed and in lack of daily food, and one of you says to them go in peace and be warm and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what does it profit? So faith by itself, if it has no works, is dead. And I just, and I just, 
um, mm-hmm. you know, reflect on that. And, and, you know, I, especially as you were talking, because um, I, I think that the, um, you know, you know, it's so, it's so important that you just can't, you know, as you mentioned, you have to feed the body before you can, you know, draw somebody closer in, in their faith. Uh, and, and it can be, you know, just a simple meal can be an invitation for somebody to grow deeper and, and, and go beyond, um, you know, when you, when you think about all the different people that you've shared a meal with, uh, in your life, you know, I mean, we think, we think of our family and, you know, Thanksgiving or Christmas, we think of maybe, um, you know, some strangers, some homeless people, uh, you know, how, think about all the different people you've had, you know, meals with and the conversation that has flowed over those meals. Uh, now, now I know that, you know, what you're doing is a little different than having, you know, long sit down meals with people and things like that. But, but the reality is that, um, being able to, being able to provide that, that, and, and for people to recognize and see, okay, you know what? Um, these people care about me. You know, they, you know, they care about my body. They care about my well-being. And that can often lead to a greater faith just because of that. And, and so, um, you know, I just, I just really, um, I really commend you for what you're doing. But, but I was just reflecting on that as you were talking because I think it's so uh, pertinent to what exactly you are doing. And, and it's a good reminder for all of us that we have to put our faith into action. Yeah, we have to put our faith into action, Bill. Well said. And Liz, thank you for all that you've shared so far on the podcast. And I think it's just a wonderful thing. I'd like to make a shout out to the people who are listening to this podcast who are thinking about wanting to make some kind of a donation to a nonprofit. Well, being here in the Philadelphia area, as Liz and I are, Bill is a native of Philadelphia, but now lives in Wisconsin. Um, you know, the Catholic Charities Appeal is really doing exactly what you're listening to on this podcast. They're helping people to get the food, the resources, and the help that they need. So I just think it's an incredible thing of what you're doing and serving the children and others in need with healthy food-related resources. Um, and it is a, is a beautiful thing that you're doing and through the work that you, you are doing with NDS. Um, is there anything else that's going on within your work that you would like to share with those who are listening that they can uh, check out either online or that they can get more information? Uh, sure. They could come to our website, uh, which is a long one. It's www.nutritionaldevelopmentservices to find out more about what we're doing and um and of course, I am always available uh, at uh, 215-895-3470 if anyone has any questions. I think it's uh, so important to be available for people. I w- would like people who have made donations or who are thinking about donations to know that we try and use them uh, for what they're intended. We try to be very transparent. And I, I would say that we're pretty much a pretty lean machine here as far as, as, far as expenses and, and things like that. But I think that's, that's good. That's a good thing. Uh, we know what the intention is of people 
that donate food to us or donate money to us. Um, I just going back to what Bill said, I mean, Bill, you're absolutely right. Even though during those food distributions where we may have served five, four or 500 people or families, it is an invitation to the table in a way. I, I never even thought of it until you said that. It, it is a way of welcoming people in saying, you know, here's something that we can we can share with you. And, and I'll be up front and say that it's, it was not ours, but we are just God's hands. We are the archbishop's hands to get food to where it is needed. And, um, we are not the be-all and the end-all end in that area. There are many other activities of the archdiocese that do fabulous work in the area of food and food insecurity and feeding and, and other agencies as well. And we try to work with all of them uh, so we can make sure that there's not duplication of services or that we can really stretch the resources that we have. But it, but it's it's just um, and it's an amazing arena to be in and and really I've been in it for 40 years now and things have changed a lot of things have changed and become much more sophisticated and and um, you know a lot a lot of these programs were started back when they were still hippies and um, you know the intention is still the same. It, it's to love God and it's to love people. And how do you love God? You, you love God by doing for others. And oh, I agree with you completely. And, um, and it's a good point because, you know, when we're Catholic, we can say all our prayers, we can do all the right things, but this is the part that we really need to participate in if, if we really are and truly Catholic, because God is telling us that we need to help to feed the hungry, give drink to the thirsty, clothe the naked, and all the corporal and spiritual works of mercy. So I, I just congratulate you because I know this is your life mission. Yeah. And, and that's a beautiful thing. It really is. And, um, and I know you don't give yourself the credit. You give God the credit and uh, and, and you're just doing wonderful work where Bill and I are honored to have you on this podcast, Liz. I just want to say that and uh, and the work that you're doing. And and if there's some would you have any other words of advice for people who are kind of like on the fence regarding giving? Because they sometimes people when they're in terms of wanting to make some kind of a donation to a nonprofit, they uh, they're hesitant because they're afraid that they're that the money that they're giving isn't going to go directly to the cause. Uh, I wondered if you had anything to say on that end. Hmm. I would just uh, if if someone was interested, I would just tell them to to do their um, do their due diligence. Yes. Um, and and as I said, I mean, if if someone calls, I've had calls of people who said, "I'm thinking." I've gotten this stimulus check and I'm thinking of sending it to you. What can you tell me? And I would take the time and, and be, be frank with them. I mean, I, people, people have been so wonderful, I think, across the board during the pandemic with their generosity, not only to us, but to, to other organizations that are helping people who, who are suffering. So um, I would say, you know, do what's comfortable for you. 
and and hopefully in the end it will all work out. I, I truly believe that. I truly believe that the Holy Spirit has guided this office from its inception. And in difficult times, we have come through somehow, some way. So um, I don't know if that helps anyone who's... No, that's great, Liz. Perfect. I feel that way personally, and I would say that my that most of my staff feel that way too. I, ha- I have staff that have been here for many, many years um, because they really believe in the work that is being done. Um, and one other thing, just to, to be businesslike about it, our office has to be audited every year by an independent accounting firm, and that is that uh, information is public knowledge. You could go on and look at our 990 and see how our money is spent. And maybe that would also give some some confidence if someone was thinking about donating. Yeah, great information, great information. So Liz, thank you so much. Uh, we're we're almost, um, almost ready to wrap up in a little while. Um, is, so, is there anything else that you want to share before we end in terms of maybe some upcoming events or something that they should keep an eye on uh, within our archdiocese. Yes, um, we can, we're hoping to continue some of the uh, food distribution, food box distributions over the summer. So um, I would say stay tuned to our website to see where we're going to be. And we also try and get the information out to the nearest parishes so they can have it and disseminated on on their uh, social media platforms. But we're, we're hoping we still know that that people are suffering and that we want to continue to be there uh, for people in that way. And again, if anyone has any any needs, uh, food related needs, uh, please give us please give our office a call and we can see how we can help you. And if we can't, we will try and direct you to someone or some agency that can help you. That's what we're here for. Awesome. Liz, thank you so, so, so much for uh, coming on and and sharing with us, you know, for just your faith, your, your life mission, your work. Uh, It's truly been a pleasure. And uh, I, I certainly wish uh, you know, you not only the best of luck, but I, but I hope that, uh, you know, God's grace is all over. I know his grace is all over the work you're doing. So um, he continued just to bless that work and, uh, and, and lift up many people through it, uh, you know, and, and as you have a wide impact on, on people um, in, in the greater Philadelphia area, I encourage people uh, to, to reach out. Give us the website one more time, uh, Liz, so that people can reach out to you. Sure. It is www.nutritionaldevelopmentservices.org, all one word. Awesome. And we also can be found uh, on the website of the Archdiocese of Philadelphia. Okay, great. Uh, so, uh, you know, uh, Nutritional Development Services, uh, folks, uh, please uh, go and check it out. Uh, and. What, just uh, to mention, as we also wrapping up here, um, I do encourage you all, uh, you may have seen the ad at the beginning of the program uh, for the Catholic Marketing Network. Uh, we, are, we are thrilled uh, to be able to tell you that we are going to be, uh, Anne and I are going to be at the Catholic Marketing Network in Schaumburg, Illinois, which is a suburb of the Chicago area, uh, to 
to be with a whole bunch of different organizations, Catholic organizations. It is an amazing conference. Uh, if you are looking for a conference uh, to go learn more about your Catholic faith, hear some incredible speakers, but also uh, connect with the marketplace, the Catholic marketplace, um, I encourage you to look at Catholic Marketing uh, network.com uh, or just simply search Catholic Marketing Network on Google and you will get a plethora of information and of course you get a chance to come over and uh, see Ann and I at the uh, trade show and at the and at the uh, exhibitor booths but um, it is an amazing amazing conference and I do encourage everybody to uh, to, to look at that it's it's a great weekend uh, or it's not a weekend it's actually in the middle of the week so it's July uh, 27th through the 29th, which is uh, a Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, just just about a month away now. So uh, if you uh, would like to uh, sign up for that and, and join us and, and meet us in person, uh, know that we have some exciting stuff uh, coming up uh, for, for, our peop- uh, for our people there. Our new book should be uh, coming out as well. But, but Liz, thank you so much again, and uh, look forward to uh, maybe talking with you again because you just have a great uh, great journey of faith and doing great work. So thank you again. Thank you, Liz, from me as well. Thank you, Ann. Thank you, Bill. It really has been an honor. Um, God bless you and and God's riches, richest blessings to you as well. Amen. Amen. Well, folks, um, until next time, which is this Thursday uh, at 6 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time, we encourage each and every one of you to keep uh, fighting for your faith and as always, beating to your Catholic hearts and sowing hope into those broken hearts out there in our world. I'm Bill Snyder. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for listening to this episode of Sowing Hope on Patchwork Heart Radio. For more information about this podcast and our ministries, visit our websites, patchworkheart.org and andesantis.com. You can also follow and interact with us on Twitter at PWH Ministry or Andy Santos too.